the actress who plays Rousseau has died. She um, died uh, two days ago, January 20th. And she was only 65. And um, there's not too many details about it besides that she's been ill. Like, I guess, long term. Yeah. She did a great job. Yeah, she's a real... She's a real talent. She's very scary in this episode. Yeah, I'm glad to be able to talk about her on this show because she's given us a lot. <laughs> and in not a very long time. She's only been in like, what, three episodes yeah. or something? Well, do you want to start with your actor spotlight? Do you have any other segments that you prepared? Um, yeah, let's start with actor spotlight. <clears throat> Here's the intro. Ready? Yes. Here we go. Shit, I forgot. <laughs> that was way too big of a reaction for just pausing a YouTube video. <laughs> My whole body, like, shuddered. <laughs> I forgot I was going to say what this even is. Elle Magazine does a um, series called Thirst Trap. I'm just learning today. On oh, their, my God. On their YouTube channel where they... They put out 10 shot glasses of various liquids. And then the celebrity, you know, it's one of those, like, either answer the question or take a shot, but it doesn't okay. say what's in the glass. So that's what this is. <laughs> this is this actor's thirst trap on okay. L. I'm going to tweet it when this episode comes out. <laughs> I have to go back in time and say no to one of these shows, Lost or Vampire Diaries. Oh. Which would it be and why? Well, that's crazy. Why would you ever say no to Lost or Vampire Diaries? I would choose Vampire Diaries over Lost because Vampire Diaries, well, I was number three on the call sheet, <laughs> and then Nina left, and I technically became two, Ooh. and Lost, I think I was ten. And they killed me in season one, so I'm gonna go Vampire Diaries. I got to bite people for eight years on Lost. Well, I just got killed. <laughs> It's their Spoilers. boys. Spoilers. <laughs> it's Ian Summerholder. Did you watch Twilight? What? Oh my god. Uh, Vampire Diaries? No. And I've never seen True Blood either. And I honestly kind of think they're the same show. Uh, probably. I started watching it like the first season because it came out when I was in high school. So yeah, I was, I was, a, I was at the perfect time for it. Um, the only thing that I remember is there being a promo for one of the episodes where the, all the girls are going to have a seance mm -hmm. and it's like all these high school girls and they're like, let's have a seance. And like for the commercial, they made it into a song. I'm going to see if I can find that. Keep talking. Whoa. Okay. So <clears throat> he's known for playing Boone Carlisle in Lost and Damon Salvatore in the CW's supernatural drama, The Vampire Diaries from 2009 to 2017. Summerholder was born and raised in Covington, Louisiana. His ancestry includes French, English, Irish, parentheses, Scots-Irish, Scottish, and Welsh. He attended Catholic school. He started modeling internationally on and off when he was 10. He also played varsity soccer and basketball. At 17, he started studying acting. His first major role was at age 22 as Hamilton Fleming on the Dawson's Creek spinoff, Young <laughs> Americans. <laughs> He played Matt in Dog Sees God Off-Broadway in 2005. I remember that. I remember hearing that. I don't. <laughs> My friends love that play, and I've never read it. Or oh, really? It. He was one of Glamour's 50 Sexiest Men of 2010. 
He enjoys music, reading, traveling, and yoga. Um, he's got <laughs> on IMDb. Remember how um Terry O'Quinn had trademarks listed? Uh huh. Well, <laughs> Ian's trademarks are one ice blue eyes, uh- two sharp jawline, <laughs> and three thick eyebrows. <laughs> oh, he what? went. Here's some, here's some, here's where we really get into it. He, uh, he went back to his home state following the Deepwater Horizon explosion and subsequent oil spill in 2010. He participated in the cleaning of oiled wildlife and he taped some PSAs. And then later that year, he launched the Ian Summerholder <gasps> Foundation. Mm. So I, re- I went on their website Read some of their pages. Here's a summary of the about section on their website. ISfoundation.com. The Ian Summerhalder Foundation works to empower, educate, and collaborate with people and projects to positively impact the planet and its creatures. ISF delivers unique programs and services and provides public outreach, education, and grants in support of creatures, environment, youth, and grassroots initiatives. Ian Summerholder is an actor, environmentalist, and humanitarian known professionally for his work in The Vampire Diaries, Lost, and the groundbreaking climate change documentary series Years of Living Dangerously. Ian is the founder and president of ISF, and he is designated as a United Nations Environment Program Goodwill Ambassador. Go off. The purpose of the foundation is to advance science, promote the conservation of natural resources such as forests, lands, and wildlife for the benefit of the entire community, provide relief to the poor, distressed, and underprivileged, and support other organizations conducting activities under Section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code. Our environment functions as an interdependent system. Plants, animals, and humans depend on one another for survival, and each person plays a unique role in the future of all life on this planet. The problems we face require a cohesive approach that does not sacrifice one component over another. So this is like his whole thing. Like his I or his Wikipedia page, a good portion of it is all about like all the causes that he supports. Oh. He's a huge like environmentalist now, I guess. He's a Hollywood environmentalist. <laughs> I'm going to tweet the page from ISFoundation.com dot com about the oil spill because it's very informative in terms mm. of the environmental impact. My biggest takeaway is he genuinely seems like a great guy. He took part in an It Gets Better PSA in 2010 following the suicide of Rutgers student Tyler Clementi. He traveled to Africa in 2011 to visit ecologist Alan Savory, whom he supports in his crusade to let cows graze in sync with nature to enrich soil, enhance biodiversity, and reverse climate change. And if you're interested in Alan Savory, he's featured in a few documentaries like Kiss the Ground and Return to Eden, It's All About Coming Home. Those are both documentaries from 2020. Mm. Um, from <laughs> Here's another. The other hugest portion of the Anson Roller's Wikipedia page is all of his Teen Choice and People's Choice Awards. Oh, <laughs> from boy. From 2010 to 2015, he swept those <laughs> I'll bet he did. All for Vampire Diaries. He With won those eyebrows? Those thick eyebrows. He won Choice Male Hottie twice. Oh! He won Teen Choice TV Actor in Fantasy Slash Sci-Fi four times. Oh. And <laughs> <laughs> what was the competition? I dare you to go with someone else. The other guy on Vampire <laughs> Diaries? And the People's Choice in that category. He won that once. Plus a People's Choice for Favorite On-Screen Chemistry. 
Teen Choice TV villain, Teen Choice for TV lip lock with Nina Dobrev, <laughs> and People's Choice for favorite TV duo. The fans have spoken, and the people <laughs> love Ian. <laughs> people and teens. The teens Loved by love both Ian. people and teens. <laughs> In 2012, he and his brother, Bob Summerhalder. That's a joke name. What's his brother's name? Bob? They opened a reclaimed furniture shop in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, where they built and sold pieces themselves. Cute. (laughs) And then in 2015, he married Nikki Reed. They have a daughter born in 2017. And you can see him most recently in the network series, V Wars. What is that? It's about vampires, babies. Stop. <laughs> I now believe that Boone Carlisle was a vampire. He must have been. Um, I'm going to tweet the trailer to that because it's absolutely thrilling. <laughs> and that was actor Spotlight Ian Summerholder, <laughs> the teen's choice. <laughs> You're welcome, teens. <laughs> um, All okay. the teens only listen to this episode. I think I found the trailer that I'm talking about. If not, we can just cut this out. It's groovy. Yeah, but each character has a catchphrase that repeats in like over a beat like that. And it was track 12 on this Scooby Doo <laughs> CD that I had. Is it Scooby's Mystery Mix? I would be shocked if it's on the internet. Oh, it was called Scooby Doo Snap Tracks, the ultimate <laughs> collection. So this should tell me the track list, right? Please give me the track list. It's not the same kind of sound. It's this. not the same kind of sound. Okay, Scoop, let's get with it. Looks like we've got another mystery on our hands. We'll split up. The girls this way. This lives in my brain. And Scooby and me will go the other way. This is a full episode. Tweeting a link to that. Holy shit! Favor both of us. Okay, I guess we start talking about Lost. Um, season one, episode twenty-four, Exodus Part Two, directed by Jack Bender. Jack Bender came in for the season finale. 
This episode premiered on May 25th, 2005. The next day... Okay, you were talking about a good boy. Now it's my turn to talk about a good boy. Let's hear it. The next day, Thursday, May 26th, Eddie Albert, American actor, dies of pneumonia. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. I'm going to drink some water and then I'm going to tell you. All right. He's known for his roles in Roman Holiday, The Heartbreak Kid, The Longest Yard, and Oklahoma. He played Ali Hakim. <gasps> I love that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> you can guess he's he's white as they come. Oh, yeah. But, you know. It was a different time. Um, He started his career as a businessman, but the stock market crash of 1929 left him unemployed. So he started taking odd jobs as an insurance salesman, a nightclub singer, and, you know, a trapeze artist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a fallback that many of us... Those are the three go-tos. He had to stop using his real last name, Heimberger, because everyone kept saying hamburger. <laughs> it's H E I M B E R G E R. Hamburger. Fuck, I want my stage name to be Anna Heimberger. <laughs> uh, he started working a bit in theater, just dabbling a bit on Broadway mm-hmm. uh, and also on radio. Before World War II and before his film career took off, he toured Mexico as a clown and a high-wire artist with the Escalante Brothers Circus. But he wasn't really a clown. He was working with U.S. intelligence, (laughs) photographing German U-boats in Mexican harbors. Fuck yeah. He then went on to serve as a lieutenant in the Navy, where he was he was awarded the Bronze Star for his actions during the invasion of Tarawa in 1943, uh, it, during which he rescued 47 Marines who were stranded offshore, all while under heavy em- enemy <laughs> fire. During his military career, he was also tearing it up in Hollywood, both as a leading man and as a character actor. In 1960, he replaces Robert Preston as Harold Hill in The Music Man on Broadway, so he goes back to the theater. Um, He also plays Harold Hill at the Muni in St. Louis in 1966. And later as Alfred Doolittle in in My Fair Lady in... I sound drunk right now. Um... (laughs) In 1968. He was just in so much stuff, I couldn't write it all down, but... Wait, I Google imaged him. Is he the guy from Green Acres? Yes. Dude, I love that show. Yeah? I know the whole theme song. (laughs) (laughs) Five, six, seven, eight. (laughs) That show's great. I've never watched it. I guess I'll have to now. At least watch the opening, uh, like, the title sequence. Okay. Like, watch the theme song and you'll get it. That's the whole show. Okay, great, great, great. Um, in 1945, he marries Mexican-American actress and dancer Margot. Her full name is Maria Margarita Guadalupe Teresa Estela Bolado Castilla E. O'Donnell <laughs> Heimberger. Um, but she says, just call me Margot. So they had one Queen. son... Albert Jr., and one daughter, Maria, who became her father's business manager. Sick. Very cute. The Alberts lived in a Spanish... Nope. Wait. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I called him Albert Jr. His name was Eddie Albert Jr. (laughs) (laughs) 
whose name is Albert Albert. <laughs> um, the Alberts lived in a Spanish-style house on an acre of land with a cornfield in the front, growing organic vegetables in a greenhouse. Albert and Margot were married until Margot died of a brain tumor in 1985. In 1950, Albert and Margot were two of the names listed in the Red Channels, and they were blacklisted in Hollywood. Uh, Margot was known in Hollywood for her left-wing political leanings. Oh, yeah. Albert Jr. (laughs) That's just his name now. (laughs) Eddie Albert Jr. said... My mother was blacklisted for appearing at an anti-Franco rally. She was branded a communist, was spat upon in the streets, and had to have a bodyguard. And my dad found himself unemployable at several major studios just when his career was gathering momentum. During the Second World War, dad joined the Navy and saw action in Tarawa, and because he came back something of a hero, he was able to get work again. But he never got as far as he could have gotten. So, Albert's career bounces back, but Margot's doesn't really. Much like Ian Summerhalder of today. (laughs) He was known as the Ian Summerhalder of his time. Um, He was also active in social and environmental causes. He founded the city's... The the city children's farm for... Nope. He founded... (laughs) Leave it in. He founded the city children's farms for inner city children promoting organic gardening Uh, Also founded the Eddie Albert World Trees Foundation. He was a national chairman for the Boy Scouts of America Conservation Program. He was a trustee of the National Recreation and Park Program. Um, He was... Oh, associate... I just read the same thing. Um, He was a trustee of the National Recreation and Park Association and a member of the U.S. Department of Energy's advisory board. TV guy called him an ecological Paul Revere. Damn. Um, Albert was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 1995, and his son, who was also an actor, um, set aside his career to take care of him. Eddie Albert dies of pneumonia on May 26, 2005. On Sunday, France (laughs) rejects the European Constitution Treaty. 55% of French citizens voted against it. Um... The bill was criticized for trying to establish too liberal a socioeconomic system. This created a lot of uncertainty for the future of the bloc. Um, the French defense minister, Michel, Michel, said rejection was a defeat for France and a defeat for Europe. The no camp, uh, which had been topping polls in the run-up to the referendum, argued it would undermine the country's ability to protect jobs and wages. So then they came back in, I think, 07 with another treaty, and then that one got passed. Hmm. The movie's still Star Wars, so I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, um, like, oh, this one goes there, that one goes this there. This one goes there, that one goes there, yeah, that, that. Um, what if that was the song? <laughs> No, what do you think the top U.S. track is? I think it's the Scooby-Doo remix. Oh, my God. Um, I was thinking Green Light by John Legend and Andre 3000. Do you remember that song? No. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. It's the one that goes like, I'm ready to go right now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Oh, Yep. <laughs> I've got episodes 11 and 12 momentary. 
If you don't think we're dancing, <laughs> I'm bopping my little head. In episode 11, do you remember when Jack and Kate are tracking Charlie and Claire and then they just start talking about their dads and that annoyed me because it's only in there because of the flashbacks? Yes. Well, mom noticed that too, so it's not just me. Okay. <laughs> episode 12. <laughs> When Sawyer and Kate are swimming by the waterfall and they find the Halliburton, mom pointed out Sawyer's butt too. And I... Wow. I, I didn't like, see the butt. Yeah. I told her I was shocked to see that on ABC because I I don't remember seeing nudity on like the regular networks. How much of the butt did we see? It was like, he's just swimming and he's wearing a full jean. So like the heaviness of the jeans like tugs them back and you just see like a top crack, you know? <laughs> But I was like, why did they leave that in? But mom says, no, um, ABC showed a male butt on NYPD Blue at least once. So I had to look into this. <laughs> I didn't know this was allowed. And guess what? In 2005, L. Brent Bozell III told uh- Time that nudity on NYPD Blue influenced him to establish the Parents Television Council. <gasps> the PTT kept... <laughs> Filing complaints about, about butts? Yeah. <laughs> about NYPD Blue episodes with the FCC, <laughs> Federal Communications. But the only time... <laughs> the only time they decided to do anything <laughs> was for scenes of adult sexual nudity in a 2003 episode of NYPD Blue called Nude Awakening. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That fine was rejected in 2011 by the Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. So I had to look at the parents' guide on IMDb <laughs> for this episode. It says, sex and nudity severe. McDowell, played, severe. <laughs> played by Charlotte Ross, walks into the bathroom and takes off her robe, showing her bare butt. She shows the side of her breast and her butt until a little boy opens the door. <laughs> She's then shown from the front using her hands to cover her breasts and crotch. I would be shocked to see this on normal, like, primetime network TV, too. And then for the show in general, the parents' guide for NYPD Blue says sex and nudity moderate. Implied sex, breasts, usually profile, buttocks, full nudity with careful coverage of privates. This is huge news to me. I had no idea this was happening on TV. And Elbred Bozell was not going to have it. Excuse me, Elbred Bozell III. Um, that's about it. Oh, for my rewatch, I had a um, prediction because uh, Saeed says, fuck. <laughs> I know the about Saeed's butt. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. She gets a nosebleed. <laughs> I had a prediction from my rewatch when Saeed says that um, the best way to learn a language, learn a foreign language, is from a lover. <laughs> what if Saeed learned English from a lover? Oh, oh! That's all. I hope we see that because, <laughs> like, it was very significant. Like when he said that to Shannon. Yeah. Like, Ooh. That was momentary. <laughs> I have one more thing before the recap. Okay. This episode has a rating of 9.3, which puts it on our tops list. Oh, I 
believe it. Guess what? What? It's ranked number seven, which means this is the highest rated episode we've seen so far. Okay. All right. We open on our good old eyes opening shot, but this time it's the baby. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Claire is changing Turnip Head's diaper. She is openly frustrated about raising this baby on a desert island and shares her frustrations with Charlie, who then approaches Saeed, giving instructions to some unnamed extras to go to the cave to get there before sundown. Uh, and Charlie wants a gun so he can protect Claire. Um, Saeed refuses and says, if you really want to help Claire, get her packed and get her child to the caves. Charlie nods, but he's clearly unsatisfied. It makes so much more sense for Saeed to be in charge of the guns. Like, yes. When he when he went to ask him for permission, I was like, duh, this is the guy oh, that should be, like, lending them out. Like, it's a gun library. Yeah, not Jack. What the fuck does Dr. Doyoy Jack. <laughs> At the Black Rock, they're just looking up at the big dang thing. Rousseau implies that it's some kind of mysterious magic that brought it there, uh, but Art said it must have been a tsunami. <laughs> He's hitting them all. Any storm you want to know about, ask mm -hmm. my guy. As the others approach the ship, Rousseau turns to leave, saying, you need the dynamite, you don't need me. Arts doesn't want to go into the ghost ship. Hurley stays with him while Locke, Kate, and Jack go inside. It's spooky. There are steps that say creak. There are chains that say jingle jangle. They find skeletons chained up and surmise that this was a slave ship. Somehow Locke figures out that it was coming from Mozambique and it was en route to a mining colony. He always makes these grand assumptions like that. I guess the mining thing made sense because he was looking at a tool. So, like, maybe if he had a general knowledge of mining, he would be able to figure it. But how yeah. did he know it was from Mozambique? I know. Wild. Uh, but then Kate finds a chest that says explosives. Um, meanwhile... Arts is chronicling his romantic history to Hurley. He's now on his third wife. <laughs> and Hurley looks like he wants to leave his body. Um, Arts gets irate <laughs> because Hurley's not interested enough in his story. Um, and he really wants to be a part of the main cast. He's a high school science teacher and he says he's been rejected by teenagers. It's not just the teenagers either. Gym teachers dogs, um, and now castaways. Inside the ship, Kate wants to go ahead and open the dynamite crate. Jack and Locke say that's not a good idea. They should bring it outside and then open it. She seems weirdly offended by this. <laughs> I got it. You mind showing us the way? And then even more offended when Jack says that he and John will carry it. This was all, like, a dick-measuring contest yeah. between Jack and Kate. They were all, like, competing over who was, like, a biggest cool risk-taker. Yeah. Except for Hurley, who was just like, I'm going to get someone killed today, I think. <laughs> um, Art's just about shits himself. Art's just about sharts himself when he sees them bringing that crate out. This is his opportunity to be the smartest person in the room, and he seizes it. He says that dynamite is in, oh, 
But he says that dynamite in this heat sweats nitroglycerin. He has Kate give him her shirt so that he can get it muddy and wrap it up. And once he's done mansplaining the history of boomsticks, he sets off the one in his hand and chunks of arts rain down on the top build cast. That scared the absolute shit out of me. I kind of knew it was coming. I gasped and clapped my hands over my mouth. I did the same thing. I had a I had a come down period uh-huh. where my body hurt and it had to relax. Yeah, that was very upsetting. Um, we return to the Sun and Jin airport coffee flashback from last episode. Then we see Saeed being escorted by TSA. Um, after they questioned him, so they know that he's not carrying anything bad. The agent scolds him a little bit about leaving his bag unattended. Thank you. But he's cool as a freaking cucumber and says, I have a flight to catch. Um, In the bathroom, a man asks Jin in English to pass him a paper towel, but he doesn't understand him. Then the man reveals that he speaks Korean and that he actually works for Mr. Pike. He's been following him. He knows he's planning to run away and threatens him and says that he will he'll lose son if he doesn't deliver the watch. He's not free and he never was. So, okay, the thing that confused me about that scene is that the guy was like, "Can you pass me a paper towel?" It's and unnecessary. Then, it, it is unnecessary. They just wanted that that twist, but like then he goes over the paper towels and then he says like, "Oh, paper towels." But paper towels is paper towels in both languages why wouldn't Jin have been able to understand what he was asking for I guess I could I guess you could make the argument that like if someone is speaking at you in a language you don't understand you do kind of freeze up but I don't know maybe he literally just said the word paper towels in Korean he He was like I thought he said a few words okay this is gonna sound really racist but he was like Oh, paper towels, eh? <laughs> like, he, that's really what it sounded like. I would love to live in a world where a Korean person doesn't understand paper towels in an American accent, yeah. but understands it if you do, like, a Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> he really, like, I think the sentence that he said was just, like, these are paper towels, huh? Like, that was it. <laughs> incredible cat and Jin looks at him and goes huh (laughs) like what oh so unnecessary um but then we cut to present day Jin he's on the raft with some glorious strings underscoring his journey yeah look how's a place this big never get discovered Oh, no. But you could build yourself one hell of a beach resort right over there. Sawyer is singing, and he and Michael bond over Bob Marley. He's never looked better, by the way. That ponytail that he's got going on. Oh, yeah, he's got a little half pony, That's right? That's a huge improvement for me over mm-hmm. that middle part. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Sun watches the raft, now barely visible. Shannon struggles with all of her luggage and also with Vincent. Saeed goes to help her and sees that she's got all of Boone's stuff. I need these things. I can't just leave them. What are we doing? 
hiding as if they won't find us. She tells him that hiding from the others is all too much. He says it's not too much if I carry it for you. Kate sits next to Hurley, who says, that was messed up. Uh, A man just exploded before their very eyes. He says this is because he came. I'm kind of bad luck. Hey, there's an accident. Meanwhile, Locke and Jack are wrapping the dynamite in muddy clothes very, very carefully. How how do you try again after that? If I saw yeah, something, I would abandon the idea I'd be of like, dynamite. Okay, new plan. Because Oh my god, like, they must be desperate. Yeah, I mean, you can't be more careful than Arst was being, because he was yelling them yelling at them about it. And they're doing the exact same thing that Arst was doing. They carefully pull it out, they wrap it in wet clothing. So it's literally just a chance. It's up to fate whether or not it's like a good one or a bad one. Although, how did Rousseau do it? Did she say her dynamite came from that ship? I have no idea. Like, I know they asked her where she got dynamite. And then she was like, oh, if you need dynamite, we have to go through the dark territory. It must have been from the same place so then. Yeah, she where had else no she problem gotten? carrying it all the way through the jungle back to her place. Yeah, but she's... <laughs> Who she's knows? She's powerful. Who knows how she got it there? Locke, we should think about this. All right? Maybe this isn't the best way. It's the only way, Jack. Locke compares the task to the board game Operation and then buzzes out of nowhere. Horrible idea. What if, like... What if Jack, what if Jack said, was startled? Oh! <laughs> and then and he, oh god, when they were mm-mm. When they were having their little pissy moments and yeah, joking around. I, I mean, didn't like that at all. It was not good for my nerves, and also you would never. But also, like, I guess watching it, you know that they're not gonna die there. Yeah, so I was a little bit okay know. with it. But they don't know, but like, oh god. On the beach, Charlie has crafted a baby Bjorn. Okay, I know we're in a rush to escape to the caves, so I solved the turnip head transport issue. This is uh, just a blanket from the plane. She kisses him on the cheek. Oh, she being Claire. Um, And his eyes turn into hearts and pop out of his head. Yeah, that was the very first time that I ever liked them together. Yeah, that was very cute. Rousseau appears and frantically demands to see Saeed. Once Charlie leaves to get him, her demeanor totally changes and she asks to hold the baby she's terrifying mm-hmm. <laughs> um claire tries to politely decline but then she sees the scratches on russo's arm and remembers doing it when yeah i don't think that we saw that scene i think that was a new scene and she's it's a new memory of claire's that we, oh. we haven't seen cuz i thought the same thing i was like wait it was ethan that was attacking her before on the beach yeah. And then I was like, I guess, but I have follow-up questions, which is was like... Was it when she was pregnant? Yeah. Okay. I think. So... What was she going to do? Cut the baby out of her? She probably would have. She totally like, would have. That's what I'm wondering. It seemed to me in this scene that she had this thought, like, oh, there's a baby, and then, you know, we'll talk about it later. But, like, has she been planning this that far back to when Claire was missing? And then also... This is why I thought this was saying Danielle was one of the others, because 
she got abducted by the others and then Danielle attacked her. So where are we supposed to believe that Danielle attacked her when she escaped the others and she was wandering around and then like mm. lock, you know, she walked into that clearing and that's how she got back. Like, did Danielle find her oh. and then be like, I'll take a baby. Yeah. <laughs> the show? But also like. It could have been, like, she wasn't trying to steal the baby. She could have just been trying to help Claire. Yeah. And Claire was already, like, frazzled. And... Yeah, this poses way more questions yeah. than the answers. Ooh. And I, I'm sure they'll answer them, but yeah. fuck. Uh, flashback to Charlie in a hotel room. He's searching frantically for his heroine, which he finds in the bathroom. The bimbo passed out on his bed <laughs> wakes up. You want to do one more bump to the road? It's all done. We did it all last night. I got some champagne. But she knows that he's holding out on her, and they get into a physical altercation. Once he pushes her off of him, she calls him pathetic, hits him with a shoe, and leaves. I'm we sorry. see in his fist he's still holding the heroin. I did not leave that situation with the impression that he's pathetic. I'm sorry to that woman, and I know that addiction is a terrible thing to struggle with. But watching that scene, I wasn't thinking, wow, he's fucked up. I was thinking, wow, she's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but, like, that... They're is, his drugs, right? They are his drugs, but, like... She's not a drive chef, and she only wanted to do heroin. So what's more pathetic? Hiding your own drugs from someone because you don't want to share anymore? Or beating someone up because they wouldn't share well, their drugs not, with you? Okay, okay, yes. But also, she's not a character in the show. I mean, she is for, like, a second. But, like, us watching it... We can still be like, that's pretty pathetic on both of their parts. Like, she has this horrible... They both have this horrible disease. And, like, this is the kind of person that he's, like, spending time with. And, yeah. like, she just goes home with him because she, because he has smack. Yeah. She doesn't even, like, drive through. <laughs> oh, tragic. Um, cut to him running through the jungle. He catches up to Saeed and the hikers and tells him that Rousseau is looking for him. We then hear Sun scream for help, and we see her standing over an unconscious Claire. Charlie and Saeed arrive, and Claire wakes up. She's screaming again. Her head is bleeding. Rousseau took her baby. Charlie blames Saeed, punches him in the face, saying that if he had just given him a gun, this wouldn't have happened. When Charlie preps another blow, Saeed grabs him by the neck and says, don't hit me again. That was so hot. <laughs> I Yeah, I had an audible reaction to that. Also, it's like, just the way that he's doing it, like, he's not, like, doing it to hurt him. Like, he's not squeezing his neck. He's literally just, like, holding him by the neck. God, he's so cool. <laughs> oh, this was so full of cool guy moves for Saeed. Yeah. This whole episode is just cool guy, cool guy Saeed. Assigning blame is a waste of time, he says. There's plenty to go around. That about sums it up, don't it? <laughs> this show. Um, he knows where she's going, so he's going to go find her. Uh, back at the goat ship. The goat ship? <laughs> back at the goat ship, they're packing up the dynamite. They plan to split the dynamite three and three into two bags. Kate says she needs to carry one of those bags. They go back and forth and decide to dress to draw straws. Okay, Hurley should definitely be taking one of them. I don't know why he didn't sign up because nothing bad is going to happen to him. Oh, I forgot that based he, on the rules of the curse, happened to him. I mean, he got the worst thing that's happened to him from the curse is like getting 
um, arrested, but then he got a settlement from that, right? He got a bunch of money from the settlement. Yeah. So really nothing bad has happened to him. Yeah. You're, I forgot about that. Um, but it's Locke and Kate. Jack is furious. On the raft, Sawyer's got his little glasses on and he's reading all the bottle messages. He reveals that Tracy is missing her husband and kids, but she's sleeping next to Steve. Are you telling me they're not gay now? I thought that Scott and Steve were gay. Like, but also, they still could be. It could just be Sawyer adding intrigue to Tracy and Steve's platonic relationship. Yeah. Or maybe they cut the gay thing when they cut that census scene. Ugh. Where's Um, the representation? That was all we had. (laughs) And they're still mixing up Scott and Steve. That's so tragic. Um, he says, who is Hugo and why does he have $160 million? That's funny. Very funny joke. Um, he's, and then he, he tries to like tell Walt, like the only letter I ever wrote is to the man (laughs) I'm going to kill. He's like trying to be vague and mysterious, but this does not work when you're talking to a 10 year old because Walt's (laughs) just like, why? Why? (laughs) Who's that? Um, cut to Charlie and Saeed running so fast. Saeed theorizes that Rousseau is going to trade Turnip Head for the baby that the others took 16 years ago. She has something that they want. She's making a trade? I believe she is, yes. She's insane. She's insane. Don't try to apply reason to her actions. She's a mother who lost a child. Just like Claire. We stan a woke king. Oh, yeah. Mm. He hands Charlie a gun. This isn't about revenge. Don't make it personal. And here comes Claire. She wants to go too. After pounding on Charlie's chest and screaming for a little while, she agrees not to go, but tells Charlie to get Aaron back, which he promises to do. So he's got a name now. Yeah, by the way, Charlie looked a little disappointed. He was like, Aaron? (laughs) (laughs) Flashback, Michael and Walt are waiting at the airport. Michael is trying to talk to him, but Walt is too busy with his Game Boy Advance SP. Michael leaves to call his mom from a payphone. He's worried about who's going to watch Walt. He lives in a studio apartment. There's no way to get him to school. He wants his mom to take him. This is kind of contradictory. to the flashback episode yeah he says like this was never part of the plan yeah and in every flashback he was sad that he wasn't able to see his son or spend any time with him yeah i mean i guess it is true that like because he was taken from him michael built this whole life that did not include having a son so like yeah living in a studio apartment and like i don't know but either way walt overhears this um, oh, I thought he didn't. <clears throat> I think he he overhears like the last part where he's okay. like, "This was never part of the plan. I wasn't supposed to take him." Oh, so like he, I don't even think he hears the part that's like, "I live in a studio apartment. How am I going to get him to school?" Um, I, I took that totally differently. I took oh. it to be like he whirls around and he thinks he's in trouble, and then Walt just says like, "Hey, I need batteries," and Michael's like, "Phew, he didn't hear," but. I mean, it's oh. probably up for interpretation. We just interpret it's possible that, that that Walt well because that it would make more sense why Walt would be so cold to him on the island and would say the shit that he yeah. says. That's like you don't you never wanted me anyway. Yeah, doesn't he say that at some point? Yeah, but I think also that could be one reason. But he also could say that if you know he spent ten years with yeah, his mother. That's and true. He's asked about his father, and she's 
not given him any of the letters. Mm. Well, either way, on the raft, Michael shows Walt how to steer the boat. He looks so little in that life vest. (laughs) He's so cute. Um, Walt asks why he and Susan didn't stay together, and Michael says their lives just went in different directions. Walt asks why he never saw him, and Michael says, because your mom didn't want me to. She did what she thought was best for him. Um, Walt says she was wrong. Again, Michael is like being very generous yeah um they share a sweet moment that's quickly interrupted by a rudder popping off of the ship uh sawyer jumps in the water and they're able to fix it michael finds the gun in sawyer's shirt uh but doesn't say anything about it just gives him kind of a warning look why would he be mad as if sawyer's like planning on using it on one of them because he didn't tell him like having like a secret gun is like a little bit weird Okay. I don't know. I think he kind of trusts him at this point. Yeah, there's He's like no not way happy he feels about it. Unsafe. Like, there's no way he thinks that Sawyer's gonna hurt any of them. Yeah. It's very obvious why they would have a gun. Like, it right. would be in for case of emergencies. But like, I would be pissed that he didn't say anything about it. I guess. Okay. Um, when Sawyer jumped off of the ship. I 100% just thought that he was swimming back to shore. (laughs) I thought he was like, nope, I'm out. (laughs) Oh my god, that's the last we see of that character. That's really shocking. Um, The goat ship crew is setting out. They're all going to keep a safe distance from each other. And if anyone sees or hears anything, Locke and Kate are to take their backpacks off and run. The beach people arrive at the caves. They're already worn out. Shannon looks at the operating table where Boone died. Sun tells her he died bravely and says, By the way, do you think we're here because we're being punished by fate? Claire interjects and says, No one is punishing us. There's no such thing as fate. Interesting coming from her. She seems to be the most woo-woo of them all. Yeah. Um, Saeed and Charlie are making their way through all different kinds of terrain. Is this where Boone fell? The plane was up there. Where did it come from? Based on the maps inside Nigeria. Boom. Charlie looks down at the baggies of heroin spilling out of the Mary statue. I yelled no. Yeah. When they arrived in that clearing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The dynamite squad is wondering, what's in the hatch? Hurley thinks TV dinners and Twinkies. Locke says, I like Twinkies too. Uh, When asked what what he thinks is inside, Locke says, hope. While making their way down the hill, they see a majestic bird. And that's it. I thought it was a spooky bird. It was a majestic and spooky. It could be both. Oh my god, did they tell Dominic Monaghan not to sprint with perfect form in this episode? Was he not? No, he was being a shitty runner so that Saeed kept having to slow down and take a break. But in every other Charlie running scene, he's like an Olympic runner. Oh. (laughs) I really appreciated that. He's like, oh no, I can't run. Um, what else did I write? Yeah, I was just really, I was getting really frustrated, um, like I said, with the joking that Locke was doing, but also of the of the fighting that they were doing. Yeah, so unnecessary. Both of their lives are at stake. 
And, uh, and I'm so sick of hearing the same stock baby noises on every <laughs> TV show. <laughs> That's the one that I, that lives in my head rent free. <laughs> that one baby noise. It's the exact baby noise, um... That's in, I know it because it's in one of my clips. I think it's the baby noise from her nightmare, that lock mm. nightmare where he has backgammon eyes. I'm pretty sure it's like the exact same baby cry because I, I was like, I've heard this before on this show. R.I.P. Boone Carlisle. R.I.P. Leslie Arst. Bless up. <laughs> Nigerian drug smuggler Scott Jackson. I forgot to put him on my list until just now. <laughs> R.I.P. Slaves in the Black Rock. Those shackled skeletons mm-hmm. from Mozambique. <laughs> and R.I.P. Susan Lloyd. Yes. Rough. Now that we saw a flashback of Sawyer in the police station, I listened back to the clip in episode 13, Hearts and Minds, or rather I watched that part Mm -hmm. to see what he was saying when he was getting arrested, like the croc hunter part. He says something like, I was minding my own business and this guy came up to me, something, something like a lot of it's, um, it's a background underneath. (laughs) Why does your sister not have the same last name as you? No blood relation. (laughs) But he says... Even the subtitle said, Sawyer um, says, it was his bottle. I just gave it back to him. So it sounds like he hit this guy with a bottle and, <gasps> and maybe headbutted him. Anyway, I think you're right. I think the Honorable honorable Warren Trust might have started shit with Sawyer. Oh, my God. Because he says he was minding his own business and this guy came to me. Warren Trust, you've been voted off the island. Um, do you know who you want to vote off? I do. One, two, two, three, paper towels. The pilot? Yeah, I just, I'm still mad at him about not (laughs) making any announcements about losing radio signal. I thought you said you didn't want to know. You changed your mind? But no, I agree with you. Because, like, this whole thing about the raft and, like, trying to get on um, trade routes and everything, like, they truly have no idea where they are. And... The pilot should have been making announcements about, like, turning back to Fiji mm. and not having radio signal. Like, he really just left them in the dark. And I don't appreciate that, Seth, which I think <laughs> is his name. Um, oh, I have an announcement. I already told Anna, but I signed up for Discovery Plus <laughs> so I can watch Terry O'Quinn's Mysteries of the Missing. It's been really great. Really? Yeah. The first episode is about a plane that goes missing. Um, and in that, in that, uh, they're, they're able to figure out that, like, the plane went off course and, like, turned around. So, very similar situation. I wonder if this guy made a, um, made an announcement. So scary. Mm. Flying is so scary, but I love airplanes. MVP. (laughs) MVP airplanes. (laughs) MVP on three. Yes. One. Two, two, three, Saeed. TSA guy. <gasps> oh, why TSA Rivals. guy? <laughs> because he's right, you can't leave me right. He was right, and he wasn't too much of a dick about yeah, it. Yeah, he was nice about it. Yeah, he and Saeed both were great in that scene. They were like, and good day to you, sir. Saeed was just like the hero of this episode. Yeah. There was no other choice for me. Unimpeachable. He did nothing wrong in this episode. I also, along that, along those lines, um, he said something that 
Charlie really needs to hear, which is that like you're emotionally involved in these mm-hmm. situations. So you can't be trusted because he was emotionally involved and that's why he shot Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. So which like si- which Charlie still justifies. Yeah. But boy, can you imagine what they could have gotten out of him? Wow, this would be a totally different show if they tortured Ethan and then Ethan gave them information about the others because we it's the end of the season we still don't know anything about them. Yeah. Besides what Rousseau said. And Rousseau has booked it out of here. Yeah, she's gone. Um, that smoke kept appearing throughout the episode. They showed it so many times. Yeah. Well, the last thing I have for today is um, some huge news <laughs> that... Caroline does know, but huge news for the audience. I I found the remaining, the rest of the 129 ways to get a husband. Oh my god. <laughs> I found out more about what it even is. So McCall's magazine did what they call a brainstorming report. They're acting like they invented brainstorming. They uh-huh. were like, a panel of 16 experts using a technique that has inspired thousands of bright business ideas tried it on love and marriage. Like, was brainstorming invented in the 1950s? Because they were like, we got a bunch of people to sit at a table and they waved their hands when they had an idea. It was a really weird article. Oh my God. Wait, so this is just like the collection from a bunch of different people? Yeah, I That's actually... so funny. Wait, I just want to read what it says. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. I know. Okay. <laughs> This is what they wrote in their magazine. The bell tinkled and suggestions on how to find a husband began to fly. Hands waved for recognition. Fingers snapped briskly to indicate an idea that was hitchhiked from the previous suggestion. Occasionally, a suggestion brought irrepressible giggles or snorts of laughter. But for the most part, participants worked at a panting pace. Finally. <laughs> Cry in a corner. Oh, <laughs> Wear a band-aid. <laughs> I want to reenact this. I want to make a film of the, the making of this article. Yeah. It's a biopic. <laughs> um, finally, a bell rang once more and the brainstorming session was over. Why did they time it like that? Yeah, like, what? It's a wrestling match. <laughs> the results were astonishing. A total of 404 suggestions. So they, these ones that we've been reading are the best ones. Some are tried and true, but good to remember. Some are new and daring enough to set the most sophisticated bachelor in a gyroscopic spin, weeding out ideas that seem repetitious, impractical, or too, too wild. I would pay so much money to know what Uh, what each ones were too wild. We present 129 of the best suggestions. Even a quick glance at the list will show you that the day has passed when a reasonably pretty girl can sit hands folded on her front veranda, waiting for Mr. Wright to come along, like we've all been doing. (laughs) As our brainstorming panel sees it, getting married today is a problem in social engineering. So today I have um, 1 through 13 on the list. (laughs) Oh my god. This section, the first section, is called Where to Find Him. Number one, ask your friends' husbands who the eligible men are in their offices. I would rather die. (laughs) Number two, attend night school. Take courses men like. Like what? What are those? Math. 
Become a nurse or an airline stewardess, they have very high marriage rates. Oh I my wonder God. if that's still true. That's very mad men. Yeah. Get a dog and walk it. Thanks for throwing that one in there. That's just good in general. <laughs> Number five, get a job in a medical, dental, or law school. Aiming high. Impress okay, your yeah. parents. Number six, join a hiking club. Do that for you, gal. Don't do that to find a hiking man. <laughs> Number seven, look in the census reports for places with the most single men. Nevada has 125 males for every 100 females. That is psycho behavior. This is the most desperate thing I could imagine looking up census reports. Number eight, have your car break down in strategic places. What? How? Number nine, sit on a park bench and feed the pigeons. Because men love crazy bird ladies. Men love that woman from Mary Poppins. <laughs> Number 10, take a bicycle trip through Europe. Easy as that. Do that for you. Yeah. Get yourself a European man. A lot of these talk about Europe. Number 11, take several short vacations at different places rather than one long one at one place. Okay. I mean, if you want. Number 12, take up golf and go to different golf courses. I really like that because they're suggesting that I, there's no way I'm going to be able to find a golfing husband at the first one. Like, you got to go to different, go- don't yeah. just rely on your one golf course where you learn to golf. There's not going to be enough single men there. And finally, here we go again, one of our old faves. Uh, read the obituaries to find eligible widowers. Stop! <laughs> this magazine is heavily trying to hook up widowers. I hope a widower wrote this article. Because <laughs> before, what did it say? Go to your high school reunion. Yeah, because there's probably widowers there. That's insane. Oh my god, McCall's magazine... It's going to be like, show up to funerals. <laughs> yeah. Go to random wakes. How did we get so blessed? Well, the answer is Andrea Fisher, Voight Co. Wow. Oh my God. Follow us on Twitter for all of the Ian Summerholder content that's going to drop the day this episode airs. And this Scooby-Doo song. <laughs> Scooby-Doo song. Email us if you have any other um, really weird TV promos that we should hear <laughs> on Gilmore Guys, the podcast. They all, they often will play the promo that that played on the CW. I don't know how they found all of these. Like, they oh, must be on YouTube. maybe we should look for those. But it is really funny to like hear because we don't we. This is a thing from days past. Like, to hear a yeah. man be like, next Thursday, yeah. Rory doesn't know where her mom is. And she's like, wait, Luke. Oh, all right. Follow us on Instagram at you lost me pod, Twitter at you lost me pod, email us at you lost me pod at gmail.com. <clears throat> I almost forgot. <laughs>